apologetic. Yeah, you zip it over there. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio (laughs) Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. We're located off of Highway 316. Uh, It was funny. I was uh, doing therapy for my hands, and uh, Doug, who's my therapist, I've known now for uh, 10 months, and I'm always wearing, like, Calvary 316 gear. And uh, out of nowhere, he looked up. It was, it was like two days ago. He looked up at me. He goes, wait a second. Calvary 316. Is that because you're on Highway 316? Wait, he just now made that <laughs> he connection? He just made that connection. It took 10 months. Wow. And so I was like, yes, Doug. We're on Highway 316. And for Been the record, of- for the people who don't know, he works... Off he works off of Highway yeah. 316. Anyway, so yeah, so when I say we're, we're located just off of Highway 316 in Athens, outside of Athens, there's, there's a reason for that. There's also some great 316 verses, whatnot. Anyway, I am uh, married to uh, Miss Jessica Adams, the proud father of three, depending on what day uh, I have those kids around. Uh, Meaning the, that you're proud to be on the, day yeah, the number just, changes I, No, I'm, I'm very proud of them on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, maybe it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday week. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I love my children with all my heart. Anyway, if you're local, check out our church, uh, again, located, uh, Bethlehem winder kind of area off of highway 316. Um, if you're not local, uh, check us out online. Our Sunday service is at 1030, uh, Bible teaching church, great place. You can check out, uh, and, and attend online. Even if you, uh, don't have a church that you're attending, I'm joined as always in studio, uh, by the man that needs no introduction, uh, Dick Dastardly, also known as Pope Creighton. Pope Creighton, welcome to the. Hello. So you're walking rocking Peace some different headphones. You. you got some. You got a different look going there. Yeah, I've got trying uh, something new out. Yeah, I've got earbuds because I'm thinking that I might be able to not have the big cumbersome thing, and I forgot them at the church on Sunday. So, this but I mean, the big, the big earmuffs yeah. kind of look cool, except for they don't they don't work well with the. They pope don't hat. work well with the hat. I with need the, to get some like really big ones. That so go for those that side. might not. So yeah, no, we should get you some like gigantic, <laughs> like, like a dead mouse, like Snoop Dogg, you know, big, oh my big goodness. old uh, <laughs> earbuds. Anyway, so explain why you're wearing a Pope hat. Side point: This is how you can introduce the email address. I got the good. You plug. got the lead in, and just yeah, making yeah, sure we're plug. on the same page. So I'm wearing I'm wearing the Pope hat because I am a quarter Italian, and we've all decided that makes me the Pope of Georgia. Um, so no, you're the I Pope have of North now, America, North America. Did I, did I get a promotion? That's always exciting. Um, <laughs> it's so, a made up position. So you can be whatever you want. Pope of the world. Um, Western I am over hemisphere. the Pope of Italy, Pope of the world, because uh, uh, he hey, has as much authority to say that as I do. Well, he's, so anyway, he's actually in his own country. It's called Vatican city. It's not a country. It's a city. So I wear the Pope hat because we have an email address called Pope Creighton. And uh, I will put that in the comments. My name Pope is... Creighton at gmail.com. I was going to get there. It's well, Pope Creighton at gmail.com. And why are we giving out the email Pope address? Like normal. Why? And Creighton is C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. Um, like I said, I'll put that in the comments. If you have comments or questions uh, about what we're talking about, if you have questions that you would like us to discuss on the show, um, or if you would just like to berate Zach about his incessant interruptions... You right. can email us at popecrayton right. at gmail.com. Right. Um, also, you can leave a comment in either Facebook or YouTube if you're watching live. Um, I am on that You're constantly. monitoring the feed. Um, if you are watching or listening later in life, um, I am sometimes in the comments uh, of older <laughs> videos, but that is much rarer. <laughs> but I am in them during the show. 
the whole time. Well, speaking so if you have the, anything to say about the way that Zach likes to interrupt people, speaking of the email address, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we kind of put out a tease as we were introducing the email address uh, that the first three people to put their shirt size, name, and mailing address, we were going to send uh, a T-shirt to. The T-shirts are here. We've got them. We're going to be sending them out uh, probably next week after Easter. So we cool. will be uh, Walter. One's coming to you, bud. Uh, yes, we got we you love covered. You, Walter. Uh, we got you covered. And uh, and if you'd like to have an Outlaw Radio T-shirt, and you'd like to again, uh, PopeCrayton at gmail.com, Outlaw Radio. They're they're uh, army green, white logo, V-necks. They're really nice. Uh, drop us an email again. We need your name, uh, shirt size, and mailing address, and we will get you a T-shirt. I will drop it in the mail in the next week or so. Uh, speaking of just a programming note, we will not be uh, having the Outlaw Radio Show next Wednesday. So we're taking next Wednesday's Correct. off. Uh, we got some guys that will be traveling. We have some obligations at the church uh, that we'll be taking care of. And so programming note, the 12th, uh, we will not have the Outlaw Radio Show, but we'll be uh, back in the swing of things after that. So also joined in studio uh, by uh, th- the three amigos. We've got Mr. Nicholas Monty and Deal Daddy Derek holding the fort down. Uh, you get rocking your Braves shirt. Go Braves. Always. Yep. Go Absolutely. Braves. Go Braves. Five and one. Finally got off to a, a hot start uh, to start the season. A long road trip. Uh, five and one. Got to love that coming back home. And uh, and then also joined by uh, Spice Daddy, Justin Holcomb. Justin, how you doing? What's up? You're holding that, holding that couch <laughs> down, right? I am. Now, you introduced me to something. You and I run in a lot of the same um, kind of off offbeat craziness. Because right. you're both old. And like like pseudo-Christian humor. I walk in on Sunday morning. Justin, I don't know how this happened, but but at some point, at some point, uh, somebody just dropped an email about Zach being the worst at interrupting. It just popped up on my screen. Good. It just popped onto my screen. I can't see the email. I'm pretty sure it was one of your wives. Good. Wait, was, wait. There's another very good candidate, and it's my mother. And it might be your mom. Anyway, I'm the worst. Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so Justin and I run in some of like the same offbeat humor. We put Justin in charge of the uh, Sunday morning playlist. Call me, he- t- call me DJ Beard. Mm, DJ We're not, no one's calling you that. You're DJ Spice Daddy. DJ Spice Daddy. DJ Spice Daddy. We're keeping, right. keeping brand. I'll, I'll, I'll run with that. So, so, Spicy but, beats all day long. Spicy right. beats. So, but Justin's had to like divide the, 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 the set list, the playlist for the morning into like when it's just us in the building <laughs> and when people actually show yeah, up. Yeah, I got a warm-up playlist. Yeah. There's a warm-up playlist uh, that, is, that is out of control, but what's great is there'll be a song that that pops up and it just it's immediate throwback to like ninth grade Zach Adams listening to the OC Supertones or Five Iron Frenzy or got some MXPX on there uh, PAX 217 PAX 217 you even throw in some like old school DC talk Uh, I got to I mean um, that's before Kevin Smith found out he wasn't part of the elect and you know has decoupled himself with Christianity Uh, so anyway Still, I'm still a Jesus freak, though. Absolutely. We, we hit the, Take the shackles off my feet. That's right. So it's Mary, Mary, Mary. Oh my goodness! So great. you threw in, you threw in, <laughs> right before the show started, you introduced me to something. Apparently, it's been around for a while. Yeah. And I had no idea about this, and now I just want to complete. I want to do the whole show about it. We're not, <laughs> but it was like the greatest thing I've, I've ever heard. Please explain to the audience what this. So is. you you got you got Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, who apparently is a Messianic Jew, 
I, I've heard rumors of. I, I don't know how true that is. Yeah, but it, anyway, that would so, be a, that would be a twist. Well, I mean, all his songs are relatively clean, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I've heard varying things, rumors. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it, but anyway, I digress. Uh, it, same kind of style. He takes uh, famous songs, stuff so like this that. Is a Christian does, like does a parody of it. This is called Apologetics, spelled with an X instead of the CS at the end. Um, and so what they do is they take songs and they make them into basically Christian parody songs. Okay, give us a few examples uh, of this. My favorite one, uh, well, they got a few of them, like, uh, you know, uh, Barbaran by the, the, was it the Beach, Beach Boys? Boys, yeah, They Bob do one Ran. called Ba Ba Ba, Ba Were Lambs. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite ones is the, uh, smooth criminal by, uh, they alien ant farm does a version of smooth criminal. Okay. They do one called smooth grandmama and it's, it's pretty great. Um, what, what's the one about Mary? Oh, it's Stacy's mom. Uh, but it's Jesus's mom. It's JC's mom. JC's mom has got it going on. Yeah, that's right. No, JC's mom's got a growing son. Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. My favorite was the uh, the devil went down to Jordan. Yeah, and uh, what's cool about that is, uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, is it a big hit in Jordan? Uh, no, no, but they did get Char. I believe they got Charlie Daniels at one point at one of their shows to actually play the fiddle during that song. That so I mean, we, there's gotta be there's gotta be a YouTube video of it's this. Charlie somewhere. Daniels approved. So the devil went down to Jordan. Yep. Anyway, so the, the name of this again, just for the audience that Apologetics. wants Apologetics. And it's like a website or YouTube channel? Oh, it's what is a this? group. It's a group, so yeah. you can look it That's up. That's the name of the band, Apologetics. Do they spell it normal or do they throw they like have an They, they spell the it normal like except the X at the end instead of the CS at you the know, end. Because you couldn't genderfy Latino or Latina, right. so it's Latinx, <laughs> which, which was just, I think, the most offensive thing to Latino people. Yeah. Because um, didn't really like that a whole lot. Anyway, no. so the show today, <laughs> what are we doing? So if you are new to the show, the way this works is most of the time, this is totally unscripted. Tonight I am kind of, it's, it's Easter week, it's Passion Week, so we're going to kind of like jump from the completely it's the unscripted. the end of Lent. It's the end of Lent. It's Easter Sunday, Good Friday, Monday, Thursday. We're in one of the three holy days leading up to that. There's a whole, there's a whole thing. So we thought we would kind of, um, because this is what's happening, uh, craft a show to be relevant to uh, what's happening uh, this week. Um, I know it's a big week in the sense that Jesus rose on Sunday. Um, th- obviously, nothing can really compete with that. Uh, very close second is that it's also Master Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so this is, this is second? also this is the week of passion, but it is also Master's Week, um, which for, for the, the Adams household is a very important week as well. It's a great thing when the two collide where we can recognize Jesus and celebrate the Masters golf tournament. I'm trying to think of a portmanteau between Masters and Passion and can't come up with anything that isn't weird. Well, I like think... You can't be like, it's the Masters Passion Week. <laughs> Thank you for interrupting me, Creighton. Great Just job. Just trying to spread the love. <laughs> Great job. So, it is, it is Masters Week. It is Easter Week. So, most of the time, Creighton drops a topic, and then it's my job with these gents to turn that into a conversational Bible study. What's fun about the live stream aspect of the show is that the audience can interject, drop feedback, ask questions, uh, can be part of the show in real time. All of this gets podcasted. So what you're watching, 
uh, on the live stream, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, um, ends up getting uh, podcasted, uh, which is super, super cool, um, on Thursdays. Um, again, not unscripted, some big things happening this week. Let me get the lesser of the two out of the way first, because I always like to say something about the Masters Week, because I am a geek when it comes to the Masters Golf Tournament. I think it's the greatest thing around. It's the greatest sporting event in the world, um, hands down. Um, I am a bit of a, a aficionado when it comes to uh, the Masters. My wife and I and our boys will be going on Friday. Uh, rain in the forecast, it doesn't matter. Um, I do believe um, that in the New Jerusalem, the only part of Earth that will make it to the New Jerusalem is Augusta National. will be Augusta National Golf Club. Um, and so I do hope in the Millennial Kingdom to be wearing a green jacket. That's kind of my, uh, just, you know, a little bit of a wish, throwing that out to Jesus. You know, see if, if that could be, people want crowns. I just want a green jacket. Do you think Jesus was an athletic guy? Like, do you think he'd be good at golf? He was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Yeah. Country strong, right? Have you seen me play golf? you terrible. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> That's with Jesus, baseball. Jesus would have been good at whatever he wanted to I be I mean, good. he wouldn't, he he wouldn't have any problem with the, the, the water... Uh, the water hazards. <laughs> water hazards. His ball would float. Right. So here's the deal. He survived 40 days without food and water. Definitely hefty. Yeah. He had, right. he had to have some be. reserves. Gotta Listen, be. have That's you seen John point. Daly play golf? You don't need to be super athletic. I don't know who John Daly to is. Play. People should Google that. Probably the no. single greatest golfer of all time. <laughs> Where's the best outfit ever, Tom, for sure. All right. I'm just going to say about the Masters, I- I've done, if you go back into the archive, um, way back into the archive, I ended up doing an entire episode on the Masters Golf Tournament, and I titled it like Ministry Lessons That You Can Derive From the Masters. Did a whole episode. So I'm not going to dominate this with a conversation about the Masters. Other than I want to just take one thing, one point I made way back when, and I want to reiterate it because I think it's, I think it's important. Bobby Jones, Clifford Roberts started uh, Augusta National uh, Golf Club uh, back in 1932, a few years after that, it was the Augusta National Invitational Tournament that then became two years after that, the Masters. It's like the 86th, 87th year of the Masters. One of the big things about the golf tournament that they, it was like, it was a rule, is that you did not refer to the people that came to the tournament in any other way, but you called them patrons. Uh, in fact, there's there's all kinds of legends about once it started getting televised, there was a CBS broadcaster that, that you know, just kind of in his play-by-play referred to the mobs of people that were coming, and he got fired. Like Clifford Roberts <laughs> walked up there, and they yanked him off the air. It's like the cardinal rule. Anybody, it, they're not crowds. They're, it's not a mob of people. They're not spectators. They're, the word is they are patrons. And one of the big things is like you don't if you go to the, the golf tournament, uh, you don't pay for parking. Um, you do, the the food costs are are crazy. Like it's like two bucks for a sandwich, you know, fifty cents for a bag of chips. Like it's it's at cost. The food is at cost. Uh, beverages are two bucks. You know, it's it's they don't make any money on the food, and that was always a staple because Bobby Jones was like, if someone's going to drive from Atlanta two hours out to Augusta, you know, for a, a day of golf to walk around and then to drive two hours home. They are our guests. Like they are patrons. Um, and we will treat them as such. 
We are not going to nickel and dime them. We are going to make sure that their stay is as comfortable as it can possibly be. And there was like this, you know, we talk about Southern hospitality. Um, Augusta embodies the idea of like, hey, you're, you're coming to us. You're participating in this, this event we're hosting. Uh, you are a patron and you're treated with respect and with class. We're not nickel and diming you. We want you to have the best time you can possibly have. Uh, we have ground rules. But like, let, let me give you one example where this is like an extreme. So they have, they have bathrooms that are set up, you know, all over the course, you know, for you to go, you know, and relieve yourself, nature's business. <clears throat> so you get in line and you get to the bathroom stall. Now you'll notice, so they have this line of bathroom stalls and directly from the door, there's a, a guy in green, you know, in the, the, uh, a, a master's green shirt, definitely an employee, khakis, standing opposite the, the toilet stall. His purpose is that when you get done doing your thing, he very quickly goes in and cleans the toilet for the next person that walks in. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like every every time someone goes in, it gets cleaned so that you don't have to worry about making like a, a toilet paper seat, that it's not disgusting, uh, that it's, it's pristine. Like, again, there's just this heightened sense of, of regard uh, for the people that come. And, and for me... Um, not only, I guess, in a personal sense, do I, do I want that to be the attitude that we have with, within our home? You know, that people that come to my house for dinner, I want them to, to be a guest. Like, and you guys know this, you're here a lot. Um, I, you know, what's in my fridge, you can enjoy. Like, there's never been, you know, I've never, hey, you got to bring your own, your own drinks, you know, to watch the ball game. Like, whatever you, my house, if you're my guest, uh, welcome, you know, you're, you're here. And like, the, I think that there's an attitude about hospitality that gets really exemplified that we can carry over. But I see that within our church. Like there is a reason that as far as our church goes, you never know who walks in the door on a Sunday. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what they've gone through that week. You don't know what they've gone through that morning. You don't know mentally where they were at sitting in the parking lot. You know, what burdens, what cares. Like when they walk in the doors of your church, Again, you don't want this to be a manufactured fake hospitality. It has to be organic. It has to be original. It's got to be real. But you want, when someone comes to church, you want them to feel at home. You want them to feel that they're not an audience member. They're, they're a patron. They're a guest. They're home. They're family. You know, you're coming, whether, whether you choose to come back or not. Uh, you're greeted. Uh, you know, we got free coffee and, and, and refreshments. Um, you know, we're not nickel and diming anybody. Hey, you can grab a free t-shirt. You know, there's no money changers. You know, there's no, you know, merch table. It's, it's, you're just, you're coming and we want you to enjoy yourself. And, and to me, you know, I go to Augusta national, I go to the masters and, and I always leave thinking, man, um, I think Calvary 316 does this really well. And, and, and this is like a master's class of like someone coming to something and immediately feeling like they're a part and feeling comfortable. And I think that that's a, a, a special thing. I'm done with the master's bit. Any thoughts, anything you guys want to throw into that or move right along? So basically you're telling me they're the Chick-fil-A of the golf world. You know, that you could do a whole, you could do a whole conversation about Chick-fil-A too. Cause, cause again, there's a reason why Chick-fil-A is the number one grossing fast food restaurant in America. And they're closed one day of the week. And it's an amazing. It's an amazing thing. And, and their, their drive through times, their customer service ratings are, are and that just stems from like two words. My pleasure. My pleasure. That makes you feel good. 
There's this, you know, like it's better than you're welcome. Like my pleasure. You know, you can run in, you'll run into people, you know, and you know, at the bank or something. And you'd be like, hey, you know, I, I get a deposit or make a withdrawal, and, and they'll they'll say my pleasure. You immediately know anybody that's ever worked at Chick Fil A. Yeah. Like it's like so ingrained in them. You know, you go to AutoZone and you get a, a you know, hey, can I get a you know a, a new alternator? Yeah, my pleasure. You know, it's like, oh, you used to work at at Chick Fil A. I don't You've understand. Never heard my pleasure at an AutoZone. I, I can tell I you that for certainty. I don't understand how every other fast food establishment isn't throwing copious amounts of money to every executive or like low level management person at Chick-fil-A. Like, like the assistant to the assistant manager at Chick-fil-A could run our Zaxby's so much better and more efficiently. Like Zaxby's is so terrible in, in regards. Like it just takes forever to get through the line. They don't know how to do forever. Oh, it's, 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 it's atrocious. Anyway, two Southern companies, but you're right. Chick-fil-A, you feel welcome. And, and there's kind of this, this ethic behind it. And but I, it, hey, it's, it's church should or, be that way. And it's or, an organic thing. It's not like a fake my pleasure. It's it's definitely corporate. It's a, it's a corporate culture right. that has been established and ingrained. Um, but you can't, you can't fake kindness um, or civility or niceness. Um, you know, it, you can't fake that. That has to be something real. You know, I know churches for a long time, it would always be like, you do two worship songs. Did you guys ever go to a church like this where you do like two worship songs and then somebody would come out to do announcements, um, but they would they would like stop the announce like before they did announcements they would say, "Hey, turn and greet one another." Yes. And it was like the most awkward forty five seconds of your oh, life. Oh yeah. Um, it. it was terrible. Like, it, that's not what I'm like. That that's we've never done that at Calvary three sixteen because I find that to be very awful, awful, intimidating, especially for someone that isn't extroverted someone that's an introvert. Um, I might even be friends with you. I don't, I don't, and I don't want to break up worship that way either. Like, like the first two songs are kind of throwaway. We just realize everybody's showing up late and mm-hmm. we're just going to wait until everybody gets here and then greet. Like, I don't and know. We're going to hit this big reset button on everything. And then we'll have three real worship songs <laughs> now that we're all together and gotten the announcements. But if um, you're truly there, you, you're going to be greeting, greeting you your Absolutely. people either at the beginning or, or after everything's done, I mean, and that's to me is like create a culture of hospitality, of friendliness, and um, and just let people go. You know, let them do their own thing. Like we've we we're like one of the few churches we don't have designated greeters. Um, you know, we do our ushers will open the door for people and say hello. But as far as like a, a greeter, um, we just want it to be an organic thing where there's no like intimidation. Now there are people available. Like if you show up for the first time, you're like, I don't know where I, I take my kids or like, how does this operate? Like, obviously you need a hospitality center for that type of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't make a good greeter just cause you're intimidating. I'm intimidating and not good looking. Well, first so you're, you're, it, it, it you're DJ, DJ spice daddy. Yeah, so that's right. You already have a role. I, I know. I get the, I get the right song for the right moment. <laughs> Amen. You, you do that. Yeah. We have a Mexican themed <laughs> potluck and it's all, Mariachi. I did, re- Christian mariachi. I did Christian mariachi. I did so much research on that. Like I, I looked up all. If I didn't understand the Spanish, I looked up what the w- lyrics were to make we sure we did not want to offend any any Spanish yeah. speakers. Why well, I, I didn't want it to be, you know, not Christian Secular. music. So it let me. Be, let it me. would be. It would be a great offense if we offended Bethany, our only Spanish. Our only speaker. who's also the whitest girl. <laughs> That's not true. Chad goes to our church. 
Oh, I see what you did. I'm just kidding. I love you, Chad. I see what you did. It was, was just good. an easy joke. So let me let me transition to a little bit of Easter. And I'm going to transition to a little bit of Easter. I want to talk about Easter. I want to talk about this week. Um, but I'm going to do this by a news report uh, that came out um, that kind of like for a few days dominated the news. Um, and you still hear a bit of rumblings about it. And it, a poll, a poll was released that for like... So I'm right at the edge of, of being a millennial and, and Gen X. So My I'm baby boomer? Xenial. I'm a Xenial. Like I'm, I'm, I'm 83. I think 80 was the, 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 the cutoff. But that, that Gen X generation who are now in their like late 40s and 50s that are, are, are awakening to the reality that, hey, the younger generations don't think like them at all. Mm-hmm. Like Gen X prided themselves of like, we're not the boomers. Like we're cutting edge and we're changing the world and it's like oh my goodness now you're starting to wake up to the reality that like you know gen z that we're in a totally different different Young millennials and gen z are crazy so there was a poll that came out that was that was fascinating and and this poll uh goes from 19 1998 2019 which is significant because it's right before the pandemic and then 2023 so this is brand new it was a w uh Wall Street Journal, uh, NORC poll, um, NBC News. So patriotism. So this was about Americans, um, their views on patriotism. Um, you know, values that are very important to them. Is it important to be patriotic? Um, in 1998, 70% of Americans said that patriotism was, was like an important value. You know, that patriotism, being patriotic, was a virtue. Um, from from like so from from 1998 to 2019 it went from 70 to 61 so it dropped 9 points in what 20 years 21 years is that am i doing my math right yeah close i believe so yeah, 21 yeah. years so 9 points it dropped 9 points from 70 to 61 but then this is what's nuts from 2019 to 2023 it goes from 61% you want to take a guess at what the number is now 49 49 what? 32. 32. 41. 41. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go low. 30. You're going to go 30. 38%. Mm. It's a $1, Bob. Like in four, <laughs> in four, in four years. Does that a Price is Right joke? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but think about that. In four years, people who say that patriotism is very important to them it goes from 61 to 38 like that. It falls off a cliff in four years, right? Um, having children. Okay. In 1998, 59% of Americans found that as an important thing. Okay. Having children in 2019, it had dropped 16 points to 43% in four years. It goes from 43 to 30. Yeah, I can believe that. Again, totally craters. Um, Community involvement. Like being involved in your community. Now, this is an interesting one. So in... Can I ask a clarifying question that you might have the answer to? I may or may not. So my my question is, can you define community? Do they mean that physical... 
I think it, it's just like being a part of your community, like your physical community. Physical. Okay, it's probably physical community, physical. not the community that you ascribe to. Right. Just okay. gen, a generalized. And again, I don't have like all the the sub data. To, right. Right. To this right. I figured. Poll. I figured you might not. Um, no but it just says that community involvement's an important virtue. Okay. In 1998, 47% of Americans, so a little under half, found that community involvement was an important thing. In 2019, want to take a guess where it went? From 47. Anybody? Any takers? 30. 30? I was saying 31. 31. $1 bulb. Uh, 40. Okay. It goes up to 62. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does the opposite. So it goes from 47% to 62% to 2019. Now, explanations for this, uh, we had eight years of, of the Obama administration that was all about what? Hope and change. He was a community organizer. I mean, there was... Oh, that's true. I mean, if you, if you think about uh, activism uh, spiking, true. the idea of being involved in the community, um, you, see, you saw a lot of gentrification in areas... Um, was that the BLM years, or is that... It would have encompassed it. Because um, I guess that counts as community. It's been right before. Well, the BML, BLM years happened in the pandemic, the summer of 2020. Okay. Uh, but, you had, but you had before that, you had Trayvon Martin. You had, you had other things that happened during the Obama administration. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's been swells of, of that, that that have taken place. So it goes from 47 to 62, okay? From 2019 and 62 to 2023... Want to take a guess? It goes from 62 to 27. Goodness gracious. In four years. Wow. So, so from, from 20, from, from, from basically the turn of the millennium, it goes from 47 up to 62. And then in four years from 2019 to today, it craters to 27%. Well, that, that actually totally makes sense. Community died in the in the Everybody pandemic. Everybody stay in their house. Like for we two were the people years. that had community because we had to go to church. It died, like, but people yeah. don't. Yeah. But here's the thing: you could have made the argument why it might have died. It may have increased people's awareness of how important it was, mm-hmm. you know, or their longing for it. That 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 seems to say that like people like completely got rid of the community involvement being an important idea, and today are like, yeah, I still don't think that that's all that important. Like in four years, it just completely disappears. I, I'd That's like wild. to see that stat like split up into the the areas that were that opened up early, as opposed to the ones that stayed closed longer. That'll be, sure interesting. That'll be interesting. I, I, like I wonder that would how, be interesting to know. Yeah. That would. Now mon- money was another category. It goes from thirty one to forty one, so it actually goes up ten, and then in four years it goes up to forty three. It goes up three points. That but, also makes sense. Which that makes, which that yeah totally makes sense. Interestingly, money goes up while the need for kids goes down or community involvement goes down. Like the need, you know, money's an important thing goes up. Now, I say all that to kind of say religion is also part of this. Okay, so religion is part of this. In 1998, 62% of Americans said that religion was an important, an important thing. 62%. In 2019, it drops to 48%. And today it's now at 39%. So, I mean, it is, it is just a, a downward, hard, hard line trajectory. I'm actually surprised that this 39%. Just religion, yeah, like religion high. in general. Yeah. Just in yeah. general. Yeah. I, I think that that's even high. Um, even within Christianity, roughly they, they estimate 20 to 25% of people that were going to church before the pandemic are not going to church now. And then 
if, if you do, oh, you know what? That's actually better than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like 20% return to church. But you're saying 80% return. 80, 80% return, but 20% just disappeared. Wow. I'm surprised 80% return. When we, when we went into this, I was expecting the church to get halved or more. I, and I would, that, again, that would be an interest. It would be interesting to me to see that break down across denominationals from and, Catholics to Protestants, but then across. And me, regions that opened early. And regions that opened early. Um, Tom Rainier, they do a lot of research on this. Um, one of the, the interesting things that they've seen post pandemic that has caught everybody off guard is how live stream attendance has just completely, totally cratered. Totally cratered. Cratered? Completely really? cratered. There was a whole, a whole bunch of people went to live stream because they had to. And a whole bunch of people came back. Now, it took two years, but they came back, which, again, if you're in church, you're not watching online. Mm-hmm. But that, that segment of people that went to live stream slowly just stopped watching and don't watch it all anywhere. They either started going to the church or they just stopped watching. Or they just stopped watching. Like, I don't even need to watch this anymore. I'm just kind of over it and done. I mean, it's probably 90% of the people that would going back to church. Right. Now you take, you take, (laughs) no, for sure. You take that 38% number though. And it's like, and then you start to take that number. And that's, 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 that includes like all different religions. It's a very broad, it's open-ended. But then you get down into, into um, Christians and people that identify, self-identify as being a Christian. Okay. And then you start to probe the beliefs of those people. So like we've, again, we've weeded out people that, that no longer see themselves as Christian. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, you, you would have seen yourself as a cultural Christian, although you really weren't a Christian, if you know what I mean. Now we've kind of thinned the herd, so the stats on the, the thinned herd are also now telling. And still over and over and over again, you find like huge swaths of Christians don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Or don't see the resurrection of Jesus as being an important thing. Which to me is absolutely the most mind-blowing, um, telling thing. Like when people talk about like how many people will actually get raptured. Let's say the rapture happened tomorrow. I mean, I think it's, such, I think it's just a really, really, really small number of, of even people that think they're Christians. Which is interesting when Jesus does all these parables about the servants, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there will be a lot of people that think that they're Christians and the rapture happens and guess, guess where they are left behind still here. Right. Many will call me Lord and I will say, depart from me for I did not know you. Exactly. So, you know, there's some, you know, I've read some interesting things about like the idea of a partial rapture. If you, you I'm studying Matthew 25 and you start taking Jesus's parables and does Jesus really rapture all Christians? Um, I would say yes. I just think how we've defined Christian um, from the world's perspective, he might not rap. He he might not rapture all Christians. Um, I can think of several churches in Atlanta that will probably be full the Sunday after the rapture, um, because again, they don't hold to actual fundamental beliefs about Christianity. Creighton, you've got this like really bizarre look on your face right now. Okay, so <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not big into eschatology. But one of the things that I've been thinking about, you're is, not big into eschatology, but you know eschatology. I know. Yeah, I'm just. I know it's not my. I feel that I spent a whole lot of time. But when you said that, it occurred to me, like, I've been, every now and then I'll think about this idea that how do we, how does how do the world continue when an entire people of a single faith disappear? Uh, because there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to say that wasn't Jesus. Aliens. Who have been Christians for a long time. It That just connected in my head that there are going to be people 
who have been Christians, Christians for a long time, still on the earth after the rapture, who have been in power, who are going to be able to say, that's not what that was because I'm still here. <laughs> They're going to blame and throw right. doubt on the rapture. So I just, I'm sorry. And somehow I didn't mean to, Trump yeah. will get indicted for it. <laughs> you know, because when the Trump sounds, the dead in Christ rise. Bro. Um, oh so, <laughs> so, but he, so this is kind of where I'm going. So we, we're in this like really weird um, dichotomy. And Easter, again, brings, brings the resurrection of Jesus to the forefront of the cultural Christian's mind. Now, at Calvary 316, we don't make a huge deal about Easter. Most Sundays, ironically, um, I just keep teaching through whatever I'm teaching through. Um, a lot of Sundays, that's a lot of Easter Sundays, that's what I'll do. Uh, last year was a unique situation. I taught an actual Easter message because it was the first, the first time you taught. It was the first time I had taught all, all oh, year. Yeah. And, and I had something to say about resurrected life. And subsequently, I'm actually going to do a topical this Sunday. So I don't have like this hard, hard line on it. But the reason why we don't make like a big a big to do about Easter is that from from a biblical standpoint, we do celebrate the resurrection of like their Easter is not a mandated Christian holiday. And in the same way that Christmas isn't like there's, you know, two of the four gospels don't even mention the birth of Christ. Like Paul never writes about it. It's, it's not, it, it's no one really knows when it happened. Um, the birth of Christ. It's not like Pope Julius the first made December 25th because of the winter solace. That was a thing. Easter has the same kind of pagan roots to, you know, other things. Um, we don't make a big deal about resurrection Easter because it's the one day that is codified as a religious holiday for, for the believer is every Sunday. Like the church, a bunch of Jews who had grown up with a complete religious orthodoxy that said Saturday was the holy day. All of them, something happened of such radical significance that they abandoned their religious holy day, the Sabbath, and they switch it to Sunday, a totally different day in which there's no historical connotations of it ever being holy in scripture in the Old Testament. They completely switched to Sunday. Why? Because something happened on Sunday that was of such radical significance. They wanted to gather every Sunday morning in reflection in commemoration of the one event that changed the world, and that's the resurrection of Jesus. That is why we gather on Sunday mornings. It's because that's what the, 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 the early church did. They gathered, we're told, on Sunday, the first day of the week, which, which in biblical numerology ends up being the eighth day. The seven is completion. It's a new day, new birth, grace, a new work, the new covenant. There's a lot of significance to Sunday, the new day. My point is that we are in a, a time frame where people are thinking about Easter. People are thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. And there's so few people that actually believe in the resurrection of Jesus that I think it's important to take time to discuss the resurrection of Jesus. It's also important to take time to discuss just like the events of this week um, and kind of the tease for Facebook that we put out. I, I noted that kind of the, the subtitle is uh, Liar, Lunatic, or Lord. And, and that's really when you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, and I don't coin that phrase that, came, that comes C.S. from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. But C.S. Lewis made this point about Jesus that there are only, rationally speaking, logically, three conclusions you can make of Jesus. And it's not that he's a moral teacher. It's not that he's a good dude. It's, it's, 
It's simple. It's there's three L's. If you look at the life of Jesus, if you looked at everything Jesus said, everything he preached, everything he did, how he led the masses, like you just looked at the totality of Jesus's life and his ministry. The things that Jesus said, the claims that he made of himself. Jesus predic- intentionally predicated the, the validity of all of them on one singular event happening that had never happened in the history of the planet, hasn't happened since. And that is the resurrection. Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be a savior. He claimed to be the firstborn of the resurrection of the dead. He claimed to tell us about what happens after we die. He claimed to tell us about how we get to heaven. He claimed to tell us about how we surely will end up in hell. Jesus, all of the claims that Jesus made to be the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, to be the long-awaited Messiah, to be the Savior. The statement, I am the way, the truth, of the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus says, you can believe this statement. And every claim I've made on one thing happening, And on three occasions, Jesus told his disciples, he told anyone that would listen, we're going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be denied. I'm going to be taken into the hands of of the scribes and the Pharisees. And the Romans are going to crucify me. I am going to die. But three days later, I'll be resurrected. I'll be resurrected from the dead. And Jesus takes everything and he hangs it on this singular radical claim leaving humanity with only one of three conclusions about Jesus and being a moral teacher and a good guy is not one of them either Jesus died and remained dead and then you can get in all the different theories the disciples stole the body or this or that or he swooned you know he actually woke up in the cold tomb and somehow rolled the stone and took over a legion of, of Roman soldiers and then disappeared into India, or as the Mormons say, you know, went over to North, North America on his, on his trip. The point is that if Jesus died, as he did, but remained dead, thus the resurrection never occurred. There, it's not as though you can take resurrection out of Christianity and still have Christianity. There is no Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus intentionally placed everything hinging upon that one unique miracle. And if it didn't happen, then he's a liar. Everything he said was a lie. You can't believe any of it. Or he's totally Looney Tunes. Meaning, everything he said he really believed. Because he was very convincing... But obviously, because he didn't, he didn't rise. Okay, instead of calling him a liar, we're just going to say he was nuts. He had a, a messiah complex, you know, that, that he had these grandiose perspectives of himself. Probably not, schizophrenia. Not, not rooted in any type of reality. But, you know, he's very charismatic, you know, was a good speaker, made enemies. But he's either a, a bold-faced liar. No one wants to follow a liar. And you have no hope then on what comes after death because he was, he's, what else did he lie about? Or about the promises he made about our life. Anything. And if he's a looney tune, a wing nut, 
Well, that's that doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence either, does it? I mean, it's the equivalent of like, we're going to drink Kool-Aid and wait for the Hellbot comment, you know? Um, sincere people followed, but they died. I, I, they also drank Kool-Aid. The hell I know, people. I was just wondering. Jamestown was a Kool-Aid. And Heaven's Gate was Hale-Bob, right? Uh, yeah, and they were they, they also poisoned themselves by drinking Kool-Aid. Oh, I didn't know they had Kool-Aid. I think so. I knew yeah, they did Someone cyanide. can fact check me. I'm not up on all my, my cults. Um, maybe other than Waco, because that seems to be on a lot of Netflix <laughs> specials and whatnot. Anyway, I diverge. Jesus is either a liar or he's a lunatic. Or the resurrection really happened, validating everything that he said, and that makes him Lord. See, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have some decisions to make. Now, I should note that one of the things that makes what Jesus did so radical is, you know, there are, there's no other world religious leader that has ever had the audacity to do what Jesus did. Like Muhammad had a lot of things to say, a lot of moral truths, a lot of things to say about how to live. Muhammad had a lot of things to say about life after death, about the afterlife. But you know the one thing Muhammad didn't do? He wasn't so confident in his beliefs that he told his, his followers, hey, just so you don't have to take my word for it, I'm going to die and then three days later be resurrected. And then you know I'm telling you the truth. Buddha didn't do the same. Buddha had a lot of things to say about the afterlife. Confucius, just run down the list. No one but Jesus dared stake the entirety of what he had to say on the most improbable thing ever happening, and that's resurrection. And yet the Bible clearly says that, yes, Jesus came to Jerusalem, and yes, he was betrayed, and yes, he was arrested, yes, he was falsely accused, yes, he was declared innocent, but still executed. And Jesus absolutely died. The Bible is crystal clear that Jesus was as dead as you can get to the point that the Bible records for you the autopsy because the Roman soldier came and stuck a spear into his side and we're told that blood and water came pouring out, which means that Jesus, his heart ruptured within his chest. You don't survive that. You don't swoon from it. Not to mention the Romans were pretty good at crucifixion. Yes. And the centurion. They were amateurs. And the centurion there at the cross, like, if Jesus was alive afterwards, he's going to be crucified. Right. Like you can't let your, and you have, you have Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea that take him. They lay him in a, in a tomb. They begin the embalming process for Pete's sake, but it's cut short. Why? Because of Passover. And then afterwards the Sabbath. Now, you know, there, there is one of those things where people talk about, well, Jesus said three days. I, I want to just for, for fun give you guys some time to process the implications of the resurrection. I want your thoughts about what it means to you guys. I, I, I want your feedback. But I, want to, I want to correct a little bit of a misconception. And I'm going to get into a little bit of the weeds, and I'm going to say a few things that are a little controversial about the timeline of the week of Passion. Okay. Well, I can start if you guys want a second to collect your thoughts. Um, yeah. You want to jump in real quick yeah, before I get to the timeline? Yeah, because one of my you said you wanted to step to conversation. You wanted the timeline first. Do you want me to do the timeline first? Or? No, let us talk first. All right, All right jump we're going to talk. So, jump in. One of my favorite, because I, I like apologetics. I know you're not a huge fan of it. No, I'm a big fan. I know, but you always do that. You always I say take it the, on apologetics uh, class. I know, but you always say the uh, I take it when a the argument. course on apologetics. Whenever I bring up apologetics, <laughs> you say win the argument, lose the soul. So whatever. Well, that, that's, that's anyway. what apologetics is known by. So anyway, um, one of my favorite arguments that 
comes up when you're talking about apologetics is the idea of what happened to Jesus. Because you can't historically argue that Jesus didn't exist. There's not a credible historian who says he didn't exist. We have lots of both biblical and extra biblical. Tacticus, all kinds of stuff. There's plenty. That there's no way to say that Jesus did. A man named Jesus didn't exist at this time. When so, you run into someone and you have an, like an apologetical conversation, right. you're at Starbucks or whatever, and you're talking to someone randomly, what you do all the time. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, never. Um, if you run into someone that's like, well, I don't believe that Jesus was ever a human being. You know right from the beginning that there's very little conversation that you can have with this person because they're completely ignorant of, of history. They have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea what they're talking about. Um, but one of my favorite conversations. Justin's over there nodding and said, yep. Yep. Is why uh, I never let them know my background until they get to a point where I'm just like, no, that's wrong. And then they're like, how do you know? And then I tell them my degree and stuff. You know, my strategy is I I tend, you might think right off the bat that I won't, that I don't tell anyone that I'm a pastor. Right. I tend to not let someone know I'm an actual Christian until about halfway through the conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen you do that. So. Because because it diffuses it. It's like, well, we're just two guys talking about life and stuff, trying to navigate this crazy world. I love to do that with people who are really into evolution because I love talking about evolution. I find it fascinating. All right, back to your point. So, yes. The, all of the options for Jesus having not risen from the dead are massively improbable. Like, he somehow survived, woke up from a, two-day coma, moved a 12-ton stone, stone, and then convinced 500 people that he didn't, that he rose from the dead. That's ridiculous. People that then made that such the core claim that they were willing to then die for him. Right. Right. Or the apostles, who then just made up this huge lie, fought off a garrison of Roman centurions, <laughs> stole the body, and then did the same thing. And, and then they died convinced brutal people deaths. to die for it. Yeah. died yeah. brutal deaths. Crazy. Ridiculous. Like, there's, there's not a good explanation outside of a resurrection for Jesus being publicly executed by some of the best people who have ever done executions, dying, and then being around later. Like, there's I'll, not a good explanation for add, that other will, than resurrection. I will add one more component to that, because I completely agree. Not only that, Jesus was a person, and he was executed, and he died. The other component... And his body disappeared mm-hmm. because there is no body. You can go see Muhammad's tomb. You, know, you, you can go, you can go visit shrines. There is no body that that's, you know, a guy dies and there's no body. And he's the most famous guy around buried in a very, a very uh, wealthy family's tomb. That's public. It's known about that's guarded by, and the body's gone. Like you, you not only, have to explain resurrection, but you have to then explain where the body went. Yeah. Apart from resurrection. Because I can tell you where the body went. Bible tells me. There's the explanation for it. Have you ever seen the movie The Body? It's an old Antonio Banderas movie. Any of you guys ever seen it? Just have you ever seen The Body? I've never seen it. Is that the one Um, where... So he's a priest. Yeah, so I've never seen it, but it is one of the... It's the basis for one of the most foundational conversations I've ever had in my life. Which will be another episode at some point. <laughs> so, so the body, the, the premise to it is that some archaeologist in Jerusalem, they've uncovered this tomb, and there's rumblings that they've discovered the body of Jesus. And so Antonio Banderas is sent by the Vatican to Jerusalem to investigate, to see what's going on. 
And throughout the course of his investigation, uh, long story short, he, he, his whole faith gets challenged about the resurrection because he ends up pretty convinced that this is Jesus's body that they've discovered. This is about to be released and this is going to be an earth shattering thing. And he's going through this personally as a Catholic priest, giving my life to Jesus. This is the basis for it. And his conclusion is that he rejects the pre, he ends up leaving the priesthood, but he's still a Christian because his faith is in something much bigger. It doesn't matter if they found the body. And, and then it comes out that it's not actually the body of Jesus anyway. And that's kind of the, the story of the movie. But it presents that that crisis of faith of what if they discovered the body of Jesus. They haven't. They won't. Because he's seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm fairly confident in that. So, for you, that's where it kind of comes down to. You guys have some, some thoughts you want to share. Nick? So, I had a thought. So, when you were talking about it, something hit me. I was like... If you ask me the question, what's more important, Jesus dying on the cross or Jesus resurrection? Like, I would be like Jesus dying on the cross. Like that was my that was my first instinct. Right. And then I was like, as you were talking, I was like, no, that's wrong, because then it's just a man saying that he's he's gonna die and resurrect, and then he just died on a cross. If he didn't resurrect. Then he's not really the son of God. The cross has no. The significance. cross has no yeah. significance. The two dudes next to him died. The on two the, cross the two. He'd just be another criminal on a cross dying. Like I get the significance of him dying on a cross from us only because he was resurrected. And See, it's crazy to think about if you divide those two. Like, one has so much more gravity to it than the other. And one only matters because and one of the other. only matters because of the other. Perfectly but a lot said. of a lot of our churches and a lot of people go to the one. And mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of people go to Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Look he what he did. But and that has a lot of power. But you know what has more power? The Son of God. Yeah. And that's you what say, resurrection made him. Could you say it this way? Could you say it this way? The statement that Jesus died for me that has significance. But what is more powerful, Jesus died for me or he rose for me? Yeah, he rose for you. <laughs> yeah, because if he died for me without rising, th- great. No, I appreciate it, but that really has, Good no, looking, bud, but. That has no impact on me right now and, and doesn't help me later. Yep. Deal Daddy, what do you got? No, nothing really. I mean, I read through this yesterday morning or Monday morning, just the rest of Matthew, and... The things that just kind of stuck out to me were the fact of how he was sold out, uh, the times that he spent in prayer, just praying three times, just numerology. That's always super yeah, cool, yeah. too. The fact that he went away separately three times, just asking the God to, like, if there's any way, just please let this cup pass for me, and how everything had to go through. But, no, that's a great point. Like, it doesn't matter if he died. He rose for us. And Which goes back to my initial statement of, like, how are you a Christian without apart from the resurrection? Yeah, I, that's what I'm. Like, trying why, to get. Why, I don't understand it. Well, as as people that don't understand <laughs> yeah. the significance well, of that's it. true. But I think for myself too, reading through it, like I don't really question anything. Just kind of take it like, oh no, this is exactly what happened. He said that yeah, he put everything out and sent the angel, rolled the thing back. Jesus came back, appeared to people. Like okay, yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> let me let me add this. You know, people will people will say, and I can hear the argument. You know. Well, Jesus still matters to me, even if he didn't rise from the dead, because have you not read the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, the, the, the morality, you know, the, you know the, the, the challenge of how we live as human beings oh, and how we, how we treat one another. Like, 
Okay. So powerful. Muhammad, the Buddha. Well, to, but yeah, yeah, so but to me, like, well, the, the highest, the, Jesus presented the highest ethic. To me, the answer would be like, it, well, yeah, Jesus presented the highest ethic as being only attainable through the indwelling of his spirit, his spirit because of resurrection. <clears throat> if not, Jesus was actually cruel. He's like, hey, this is the best way to live and you'll never be able to do it. I would yeah. rather be selfish. <clears throat> yeah, agreed. The, the most powerful people in the world that have ever lived were brutal savages. Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, all these guys, they didn't have Christ in, in their life. They were the richest, most powerful men in the world, and they did it because they didn't have that morality that Jesus established that you can only obtain it yeah. through belief. And, and so why would I want to live a lowly, poor life if, 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 if nothing mattered, then... then I would go out and do whatever I want. Life is really long for nothing to matter. Right. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you guys a question. So this is the, the, the Passion Week, right? Yep. That, that began Sunday with the triumphal entry and concludes Sunday with the resurrection of Jesus because the scriptures are very clear that the morning of the first day the, the new day of the week that Jesus, you know, was resurrected. So those are, those are the, 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 the easy points, the beginning and the end. Some of the points in between, um, I think people get really twisted and off. Um, and again, there's debate about this, so I'm going to present kind of my perspective on it because I, I think technically you could maybe make the argument that Palm Sunday was technically on Saturday, but that's neither here nor there. Um, because of the way that the, the, the Jewish calendar worked and four days leading to Passover. This, that will make sense in a moment. It's Wednesday night. And this is like Creighton had a topic that we were going to do tonight. And I wanted to, I trumped it. We're going to push it two weeks. Um, it's, it's Wednesday night, almost nine o'clock. Where is Jesus in the storyline? No, no, no. I'm talking about, like, go back 2,000 years and the storyline. I know. I'm trying to remember. I don't know the the days. Is he betrayed? No, he's out there praying on that night beforehand. No, that would be Friday night. That would be Friday. Friday. Well, he's just chilling, eating, breaking bread. He got betrayed. (laughs) Derek just goes, Derek goes, wow. He's just living it up. Yeah. He's just doing it. It would probably be one of the first nights of Passover. Yeah, probably. Like the day before. Okay, day so, before. okay, so you guys have already proved my point. You've pre- last we don't know. You've proved <laughs> my point. Is he doing? No, that's the last. There's a lot of confusion. Let's, let me present something and kind of work it. I'm gonna work it backwards. Knitting. Okay, I'm gonna work it backwards because um, okay, so in the Jewish idea of a day, it was evening and morning were the first day. The Genesis one establishment of a day. So the day for a Jew begins at 6 p.m. Oh. Okay. And, oh. then it, and then it ends. So it begins at sunset and it ends at sunset. Uh, evening and morning were the first day. Um, so Sunday technically begins when? Saturday. Saturday at 6 p.m. Yeah. Saturday, Saturday night. night. So Saturday night at 6 p.m. is the beginning of the new week. Which is why if you go um, North Druid Hills near uh, Beth Jacob, the, the synagogue. Um, Saturday night at 6 
is when is when they they go and get their cars to drive home, mm. because the sab the sabbat has ended, the, the sabbath mm-hmm. begins at six o'clock on Friday night, and it ends at six o'clock on Saturday night, which means Sunday begins at six p.m. Saturday, and then it goes all the way through. Now Jesus, it was in the early morning hours on the first day, so. It was, it was early morning. At, we're told, actually, at the break of dawn. Dawn was breaking. So it was probably 6 a.m., somewhere in there, 5, 6 a.m., um, that the resurrection occurred. You go back. The Sabbath, which we're told that the women couldn't go and deal with Jesus, the body, right? Because of the Sabbath. So they had to wait. And the Sabbath ended at 6 p.m. on Saturday, but began at 6 p.m. on Friday. That's when the Sabbath began. Now, this is also one of the unique times where we have a dual Sabbath because of Passover. Passover would end at 6 p.m. on Friday, right? But when would Passover begin? 6 p.m. on Thursday. 6 p.m. on Thursday. Thursday. He would have been crucified on Wednesday. So, well, no. So, yes. Yes. So when would they have had the Seder or what was called the day of preparation? Been Friday evening. No, it would have been Saturday no, evening. It, Wednesday. So so Thursday technically begins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wednesday night at six PM. But we know Jesus was crucified at three o'clock and they had to rush him into the, the tomb because of Passover mm-hmm. at six PM on Thursday. Not Friday. So here we are, 9 p.m. What? Wh- where are we at? He'd be in the tomb. No. Oh. No. Okay. Jesus is in the tomb. Thir- our Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. That's why there's three days. Passovering. Wednesday. So Thursday begins at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night, which is the day of preparation, meaning that they would have had the Passover Seder, now, so Jesus would have been eating with the disciples. They would have had the Seder meal. Jesus would have been washing the feet of the disciples. All of this would have been happening at, at what we call Wednesday night, which is yeah. technically Thursday morning. I know it's a weird way of thinking about it. Well, sh- Meaning at 9 o'clock, getting later, Jesus will go from the upper room, and he'll go into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he'll be betrayed tonight. He'll be arrested he will be on a cross by 9 a.m. Shabbat doesn't start until Friday evening, though. But Passover is not Sabbat. It, Passover, I know. It, it, it's, it's the day before. So you'd have Passover, then Sabbat. You have two take Sabbaths. Down because of Passover. Right. And the law talked about the dual Sabbaths. Mm. So, you had, so, so, for example, they had to rush Jesus into the tomb. Because people will get into, well, how is, if, if Good Friday is when, if Jesus died on Friday, you know, then how was he in the tomb for three days? People go, oh, well, it was partial days of a little bit of Friday and all day Saturday and just a little bit. And, you know, it might have been like a day and a half in its totality, but it was it was on three days. But if you really work the calendar and you understand the way that the time worked, Jesus was crucified and laid in a tomb Thursday evening. And then he's in there all day Friday and all day Saturday. And then you get to Sunday. 
And he's resurrected on the third day. On the third day. Which is what he says, not after three days. It's on the third it's day. It's on the third day. But my point is, is like, it's like I've never been a big fan of Good Friday services because yeah. it's like, um, he's already dead. Like, we, <laughs> like we, we missed it. Which is why you get the Monday service. But even that, I think, misses it. Because I go back to Wednesday. Which is technically Thursday, 6 p.m. So again... When you get into the understanding that 6 p.m. on Wednesday and 6 to 6 p.m. on Thursday is actually Thursday. And then the Sabbath begins at 6 p.m. on Thursday and goes to 6 p.m. on Friday. And then the Sabbath begins 6 p.m. on Friday and goes to 6 p.m. on Saturday. And then early in the morning on Sunday, they go back to the tomb because they can. They can't do it on the Passover and they can't do it on the Sabbath, Sabbath. And so they would wait. So Jesus would have been in the tomb for, for an extended period of time, for for three days, resurrected on the third day, but still in the tomb for a prolonged period of time. Anyway, I just thought, I, I so many people, I think, have had the timeline a, little, a bit confused. I mean, that makes sense. And I think that that's the best explanation, which, by the way, then ends to up my being... mushy brain. Well, that ends up being why I think Jesus probably entered Jerusalem towards the end of Saturday. Like at the end of the Sabbath. Yeah. Interesting. Because you I've would never go been four days. You go four days back. Yeah, but the only problem I'd have with that is it says they went out and cut, gathered palm palm branches and stuff like that, which would well could have, well it would have been our Saturday. It would have been six p.m. This was the beginning. Of, the Sabbath ends at, at sundown. It would, it, it would be sundown. Yeah. So, so I mean, depends and, on the time of year and stuff like that. And but, our calendar, it would have been placed. On a Saturday evening. Right. But to me, you can make the timeline work. You know, we, we think of... Je- because, again, Jesus gets to Jerusalem, and he doesn't stay there. He actually goes, he sees the temple, he goes back. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems to be a shortened day. Anyway, again, you, I, I, this is controversial, but I just wanted to throw out that, that there are other ways of looking at the timeline uh, that I think are interesting, especially when you start unpacking Sabbath, Passover, the way that the Jewish day worked um, and whatnot. Well, I'm pretty sure you missed uh, heresy, and that's the goal. So. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. You guys, any, any any comments online? Any thoughts you guys have might have? Yeah, I have one. Uh, yeah, other, other than C.S. Lewis, who's, again, my favorite author, uh, what his say on like the liar, lunatic, yeah. or lord thing, uh, one of Richard Nixon's... Uh, Henchman, for lack of a better term, uh, Chuck Colson, who yeah, got who, arrested uh, for the Watergate scandal and uh, started he, a huge prison ministry. Right, and uh, he actually had, huge prison ministry. He actually has a really interesting uh, uh, take on the resurrection. Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll yeah read it. I'll read just it. read it. Yeah. Um, so he said, "I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How?" Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me that the 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just 12. Yeah. Jesus was seen, we're told, in 1 Corinthians 500 by over people. 500 people. That that And that's usually... It, it, it makes sense. I think they call I don't know the exact term, but I've heard it called the, the law of lies. If so many people, it's kind of like the, the, 
people that say the moon landing was fake yeah. and stuff like that. The more, people to know. the more people that know about something, the harder it is to keep a lie. So for for that many people to be involved in, because bare minimum, there's 500 people. Bare minimum. 512. 15 if you count the women. We'll just round it down <laughs> to 500. Bare minimum. For them to be able to to keep that lie and, and go through what they did is is pretty much impossible. I mean, there's no. the there's the old saying, two men can keep a secret if one of them are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really the only way that two men can keep a secret. And right. then you add the component of women. Of keeping the lie <laughs> of women. Of keeping the lie at no personal gain. Right. Like and they, some they, very serious personal detriment. No nobody nobody like you say, Oh well they were starting a religion. They didn't know what they were doing. You know? They weren't even. They weren't starting a religion, right? They, they saw it as the, they, they the culmination were, of Judaism. Fully Jewish. They yeah. they just they saw Jesus as the Messiah, rightfully so, who was coming. So it was a, a fulfillment of something they had been waiting for Truth. for a thousand years. Absolutely, absolutely. Anybody? Anybody else? Any anything online? Um, I got a comment. I got a couple comments from earlier from um, a Karen when we were talking about churches. She was saying that she was describing the the, the fall away. She called it the great fall away, um, and then she said something that I thought was funny. Yeah, go for it. And she said that uh, at my old church, they dropped candy from a helicopter, and I stopped tithing. <laughs> <laughs> Which. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's funny guy. <laughs> Makes sense to me. That's funny. No. What I mean, okay. it's a very powerful statement. Honestly, they had a lot of. They had too much money. No, they dropped. They dropped candy from a helicopter, <laughs> and I stopped time. Well, we can probably afford Creighton on a really tall ladder. <laughs> no, we can't. No, you can't. Not a fiberglass one. I'm not touching. Anything. Not a ladder of any kind. <laughs> any any other comments other than that? No, that's it. Yeah, remember, kids, the Lord works through the fruits of the Spirit, not religious nuts. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to tap us out. You guys good? Good to go. All right, well, thank you so much for watching uh, the live stream of the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, If you are watching, check out the podcast. It gets released tomorrow. The audio of what you were just uh, witnessing gets released. Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much. Please leave us a review. Share it with your community. But also join us on uh, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Uh, for the live stream. Again, repeating of the programming note, we will not have an episode next week, the 12th. We're taking that Wednesday off, but we'll be back in the swing of things uh, in the weeks following. So may God bless you. Uh, have a wonderful Easter, and we'll see you in two weeks. God bless you.